welcome to the Feeling Better Podcast, the 10-4 program, a faith-based approach to overcome your compulsive gambling addiction. My name is Maria Simon. To everyone who thinks they're alone in this, I promise you're not. Hey folks, thanks for joining me on the Feeling Better Podcast. My name is Maria, and I'm both the host of this podcast and the author of the book by the same title. I began writing my thoughts down on January 12th, 2023, and finished the completed manuscript in mid-February. Four weeks to write, and another week or two to proof, edit, and format it all for publishing in paperback on Amazon. You'll hear my story in the introduction, hard as it is for me to tell. My husband and I currently live on a little homestead in rural farm country in Michigan. We have what I always considered a pretty contented life. We don't make a ton of money. We're about as middle class and average salary as you get. Our mortgage for this old farmhouse on acreage is very affordable. We love the outdoors and we spend our free time rustic camping, fishing, and hiking. My husband loves to hunt and I love to garden. Our marriage is one steeped in faith and mutual respect and all things considered, we lived a pretty quiet, humble life. My husband is very creative and right-brained and not all that great with numbers, so I'm the one who manages all of our finances and pays the bills. Up until midsummer, I would have described myself as a happy, drama-free, good Christian wife. I took care of our home, I did the grocery shopping, I managed our appointments and schedules, I made sure we always tithed a true 10% of our income to the church, and I often generously donated to food banks and local charities. We did have some credit card debt, but it was manageable. I'd been paying it down for a while, and the plan was to have it all paid off in about 15 months. After that, we'd be debt-free other than our mortgage. Our cars were older and paid off. We had no other loans or debt to speak of. I prayed daily and went to church and listened to Christian music and podcasts and did Bible studies and worked at my job every day with diligence and discipline. The crazy thing is, under a doctor's supervision, I've taken Adderall for years to combat my ADHD. And never, not once, did I ever, ever take more than my prescribed dose. In my 20s, before I became a Christian, I went to clubs, drank, partied, smoked pot, just like most other 20-somethings in America. As I mentioned, I did have a smoking habit where I became addicted to nicotine. And I know I have a caffeine addiction because I haven't gone without my morning coffee in decades. Those are two biologically understood substances that caused a real physical dependence in me. Why I became addicted to smoking and coffee, but not alcohol or marijuana, is a mystery. But online gambling with slots? It was definitely a neurological thing with me. For some reason, the online slot games were something that just clicked in all the right mechanisms of my brain. It was like a complex key that unlocked some kind of sensory response in my mind that I didn't even know existed. All in all, I'd been living a very average, peaceful, Midwestern, middle American life. If you would have told me at any point along the way that I'd end up having a compulsive gambling addiction, I would have fallen over laughing. No way. Not me. I was too pragmatic. Too practical. I wouldn't say I was frugal, but I had no desire for shiny things or expensive toys or brand name fashion. I didn't love money or even care about it. Sure, like most Americans, I worried about it at times, but it was never anything that consumed me. I worked too hard and had too much integrity to throw money away on something like gambling. Our friends and colleagues knew me as the smart, responsible, down-to-earth country gal 
who followed all the rules and had a good, genuine heart. That was me. So last spring, back in April of 2022, I'd been hanging out with my sister, and somehow we got on the topic of winning the lottery. I said something about how I only go into town once every two weeks to go grocery shopping because we lived about a half hour from the nearest big grocery store, and I hardly ever go anywhere else since I work remotely and I'm basically a homebody. My bi-weekly grocery shopping trips never seemed to coincide with the big jackpots, and I wasn't about to make a special trip just to buy lottery tickets. Now, I have to interject and say that at this point, I honestly never really thought about the fact that gambling in any form is something Christians shouldn't do. I swear it just never occurred to me. Of course, now I can see that even buying a lottery ticket is a total waste of the blessings and provisions that God has given me. It's literally throwing money away. I'm better off handing that $20 to a struggling single mom or donating it to our local food pantry or something. It just, I'd never seen it from that angle before. So back in the spring, when my sister showed me that there was a Michigan lottery app that I could download on my phone to buy lottery tickets, my reaction was cool. And then I proceeded to go into the app store and download it. I had forgotten about that app until a few months later in late July. The Mega Millions jackpot for Friday, July 29th, had reached a billion dollars. When I saw a news alert about that record jackpot, I'd remembered the app on my phone. I rarely paid any attention to what the big lottery jackpots were. I never played a three- or four-digit daily lottery, and over the years, I only indulged in the big Mega Millions or Powerball tickets a handful of times at most. If it wasn't for the news alert on my phone, I wouldn't have even known about the record jackpot. It just goes to show you how many little butterfly effects take us down a certain path. Anyway, that Friday I bought $40 worth of tickets, which was the most I'd ever spent on lottery tickets before. I did it for two reasons. One, of course, was that the app made it super simple. Once I registered, I was able to use my debit card to buy the tickets. The second reason was much more emotional. You see, a few weeks prior to that, we'd lost one of our cats. We don't have any kids, so my husband and I pour our love and affection onto our felines. One of our kitties was my favorite. She was only about two years old, a stray we'd adopted as a kitten. She was the smartest, sweetest, friendliest, most affectionate cat that ever lived. She was such a happy, gregarious thing, and she was my baby. She'd gotten hurt back in mid-June because we could see a large bump that appeared to be a contusion on her shoulder. We figured she'd been roughhousing and playing with the other cats— and assumed it would heal on its own. We kept an eye on her, and sure enough, she appeared to be getting better. But a few days before the 4th of July weekend, she stopped eating and became lethargic. My husband and I agreed that we'd take her to the vet after the holiday if she didn't improve. But she ended up going downhill really fast, and we couldn't find an emergency vet within driving distance that was open. By the time we did manage to get a hold of one, she was too far gone. The vet wasn't sure what happened, but thought it was likely some kind of genetic illness, most likely a rapid-spreading cancer that just happened to flare up that weekend. Looking back, there were some subtle signs of her illness that in our busyness of spring, we just simply didn't notice. Her death hit me hard. I'd never lost a pet before, and this girl had been my beloved little baby. I felt grief in a way that I hadn't ever experienced in my life. My guilt and my sense of loss broke my heart in a way that I just wasn't prepared for. The weekend of the big lotto jackpot, I'd been feeling particularly down in the dumps. I suppose, if I'm being honest, my grief over the loss of my cat spurned a bit of a midlife crisis in me. 
Several of our friends and family were having milestones with their kids. Some were hosting graduation parties for their high school graduates. Others had grown kids who were getting married and having summer weddings. A few even had their first grandbabies. It seemed like everyone we knew was celebrating something having to do with their offspring. And there I was, feeling ridiculously mournful because I had no kids of my own and was gutted because I just lost a cat. I'd been feeling sorry for myself in a grand pity party, asking those deep philosophical emo questions like, is this all there is in life? And that week, instead of spending my evenings outside in the garden or enjoying the beautiful summer weather or even praying to find some kind of comfort, I'd taken to lying in bed and watching the sunset while mindlessly scrolling through social media. I was determined to make myself feel worse by looking enviously at everyone else's summer event photos. Yes, of course, it was dumb to feel that way. I had tons of blessings and a life I loved. I adored my husband, and to be honest, I wasn't really the mothering type. I'd never really felt the void of children before. But what can I say? I'm human. Grief had set in motion an unfortunate sin that Christians often commit comparing our lives to others. It almost always leads to envy and seeing lack versus abundance. Regardless, buying some lottery tickets provided a bit of a distraction as I dreamed about all I could do with that kind of wealth. Beware of one of the biggest lies that Satan tells us humans. Money will make you happy. Absolute falsehood. Rubbish. A heaping pile of horse pucky. There are a lot of people out there with money who are not happy. So, on that Saturday, when it seemed like everybody was talking about how someone had won the ginormous Mega Millions jackpot, I went and lay down in bed to check the app to see if I won anything. I'll never forget that very first moment that would forever change my life. The catalyst that would spark this whole spiral downward into what felt like the fastest addiction that ever took hold of someone. It was a beautiful evening, around 8 p.m. Only a month past the summer solstice, the sun was still fairly high in the sky. My hubby was out cutting the lawn on our riding lawnmower, and I was sprawled out on the bed with a slight headache and a heavy heart. When I logged into the app, I saw I'd won $10. I knew the odds were minuscule that I'd win anything at all, let alone the big jackpot. I'd spend $40 to win $10. Pretty lame, right? That's what I thought back then. Oh, how quickly life can change. I fumbled my way around the app until I got to the withdrawal page where I requested the withdrawal of that 10 bucks. Now, this is something I'm going to be talking about in other episodes, but these gambling apps are absolute dillweeds for some of their shady business practices. Because when I attempted to withdraw that $10, I got the error, sorry, this method is not available for withdrawal. What? How could that be? I'd use my bank debit MasterCard to deposit the $40, but at the time, no idea what the policy is now, the Michigan Lottery app could not process withdrawals back to a MasterCard. They only withdrew to Visa cards. Isn't that insane? So they had no issue taking my deposit from my MasterCard debit card, but they couldn't withdraw back to it. Talk about scammy to the 10th degree. There I was, annoyed, irritated, without a whole lot of patience for what I immediately thought was a big manipulative scam to get you to forego your winnings. One of the options on the app offered for withdrawal of your winnings was to request a voucher that you could cash in at a Michigan Lottery retailer. Problem was, I'd just been to the grocery store that morning and wouldn't go back for another two weeks. 
Then I saw the little button that read, play one of our online games. I saw that I could use that 10 bucks to play one of the many real money gambling games that they offered on the app. That, my friends, was the Rubicon, the point of no return. I shrugged, feeling like there was no point in stressing over $10, and I had nothing else to do. So I picked their top suggested game and played with a $1 bet. A hundred times since that moment, I'd had the desperate thought, if only, if only I could just go back in time, have a do-over, just turn the stupid clock back once, just once. If you're listening to this because you battled a gambling addiction, then you've thought that a million times as well. But that's one thing we can never do, go back in time. Once it's done, it's done. For one hour, I simply played without feeling anything at all, other than the thrill of a possible win. I innocently had some fun gambling a little money, and I'd won it back, plus some. But you see, that was the door that the devil cracked open and proceeded to sneak through. That very next evening on Sunday, I went back to that glorious feeling of numb distraction, lying down in bed and shutting everything off in my brain as I recaptured the false sense of peace I'd felt playing games on the app the night before. It felt so deceptively innocent at first. I justified spending money on the app by telling myself that I didn't buy much for pleasure or indulgence. I didn't go out to restaurants or to sporting events or concerts. My husband and I didn't even go out on dates. We didn't have pricey cable subscriptions and didn't go to the movies. So in my mind, it was perfectly okay. It was entertainment money that I hadn't spent over the years, and now I was using it to have a little fun. Of course, what an understatement and completely false justification that turned out to be. If I had known then that precisely six months later, I'd win $8,000 and proceed to gamble every bit of it down to the last penny, you could have knocked me over with a feather. I'd be that shocked. No way. Not me. Never or so I believed. Looking back, it's amazing to think that one defining moment of deciding to play a $10 win would be the beginning of the biggest, most difficult battle of my entire life. It didn't take long for the addiction to take hold. My downcast spirit was obviously susceptible to the attack that Satan so skillfully and cunningly planned. There was so much more to tell and share about my journey these last six months, things that I hope will help you. Going forward, I'm going to share stories of my hard times, my good times, tips and tricks that I've learned to overcome this addiction, as well as a very practical week-by-week plan that you can implement right now to begin your gambling-free recovery journey. God bless you all. Stay safe, and I'll see you again in the next episode when you're ready to begin. Oh